0: Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, Cody Jansen. Am I on air? What's up everybody? I'm your host Cody Jansen and welcome to episode 30 of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast presented by CST Tires. We have a highly anticipated episode for you tonight. Former pro motocrosser turned factory test rider and ATV champion Dustin Nelson will join us to tell his extremely unique and relatively unknown story. If you enjoyed our shows covering the Pulp MX ATV versus MX talk, which most of you did, they're our most successful shows, then this one is for you. Just so you know, we'll have our Pleasure Valley Race Review Show coming next week, where we'll break down the racing with rider guests and talk more about the continued ATV motocross schedule changes, as we just learned that Loretta Lynn's has been canceled with a rescheduled event at a different venue, presumably on the horizon. So look forward to that coming next week. But tonight, it's all about Yamaha and Dustin Nelson. It's guaranteed to be another great show, so let's thank all our great sponsors that make this possible and then dig in. Thanks to our title sponsor, CST Tires, csttires.com. The Pulse MXR tire is the best tire on the market no matter what the terrain. Join the CST takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. Thank you to Motorsports Powerhouse and show sponsor, Yamaha, we are proud to be partnered with the winningest manufacturer of the past decade in ATV motocross and the number one OEM supporter of ATV racing. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is Team Blue Crew, thank you Yamaha. Check them out at YamahaOutdoors.com. Thanks to another member of racing royalty and longtime sponsor of my personal racing efforts, Valvoline. For over 150 years, Valvoline has been dedicated to innovating and improving your riding and driving experience. The world's oldest oil company still leads the charge with unrivaled products and lubricants. Thanks to Team Valvoline for coming on board. Thank you to SSI Decals. SSI Decals is the decal choice of champions everywhere and is synonymous with the best decals and graphics kits on the market. Their track record speaks for itself. Champions choose SSI decals for unmatched look and quality. Thanks to those guys. Check them out today at SSIDecals.com. It's an absolute honor to be partnered with Wienan Motorsports. We all know him as one of the toughest competitors ATV motocross has ever seen, and Chad Wienan has built quite the business within the industry as well. The same products he handpicked to help him win six AMA ATV Pro National Championships are available to you through Wienan Motorsports. Simply put, he sells what he races. So head over to wienanmotorsports.com to see everything they have to offer and use promo code DIGDEEP to save at checkout. Thanks to Chad Wienan and Wienan Motorsports for further legitimizing everything we're doing here at Digging Deep. It's an absolute honor. Thank you to DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring chain. Team USA, Joel Hetrick, and myself trusted DID's unrivaled chain quality all the way to championship victory this past season. Wherever you go, go with DID. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and keeping costs affordable the goal. This Michigan-based family operation is here to push stereotypes and limitations while recognizing riders' desire to showcase their identity with eccentric colorways and crazy patterns. Gript is driven to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. Get a grip on life. Check them out at griptgloves.com. That's G-R-I-P-T-Gloves.com and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save. Thanks to the Decker Training Facility. The Decker Training Facility at County Line MX is now Open, this premier motocross training compound, is located in beautiful Fountain, Florida, a short 40-minute drive from Panama City Beach. Their rapidly growing facility consists of a pro-level national track, amateur and youth tracks, woods loop and mountain bike trails. Everything you need to train comfortably all winter long is available on site, including private cabins, a full gym, RV hookups, bathhouses, garage, dump station, wash bays, and more. With accommodations for riders across the country and around the world, the Decker Training Facility will help you become the best rider you can be. Sign up for a group training session or a private lesson with nationally ranked pros. Train tougher, smarter, and harder this off season at one of Florida's most luxurious facilities. For more information, go to DeckerTrainingFacility.com or find them on Facebook and Instagram. Decker Training Facility, your elite training experience.
1: Thank you, Namira Technologies. Namira, pistons with an attitude. Namira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market since 2001 with their wide array of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits. To purchase, visit your local dealer or online at namira.com. That's N-A-M-U-R-A acom Also, a big thanks to Bronco ATV and UTV components. Bronco has been the industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. Whether it's electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, suspension parts or bearing kits, Bronco is your hard part source when it comes to whatever you need for whatever you ride. BroncoATV.com Thanks to 4Works Carbon for the continued support. Known for their hoods, seat covers, array of carbon parts, and so much more. 4Works is your one-stop shop to give your ATV a new and improved look with increased function this year. Head over to the social media pages or website today. Thanks to 4Works Carbon. Thanks to DP Brakes, the unquestioned leader in motorsports and power sports braking. DP is the brand responsible for allowing Joel Hetrick, your host Cody Jansen, and so many more others to outbreak the competition every time they hit the racetrack. It's never too late to join the team, so act fast. www.dp brakes.com. Thank you to Mountaineer Brand. If you know me, you know I love my.
0: What the? Hey, that's my line. If you know me, you know I love my beard. That's why I treat it right with Mountaineer Brands all-natural washes, oils, balms, and more. Use discount code Cody's Fave in all caps. That's C O D Y S F A V Cody's Fave in all caps at MountaineerBrand.com. We're thankful for our partnership with Factory Forty Three. Since 2007, this racer-owned company has been striving to offer a quality product that installs easy, looks good, and holds up over time, producing bumpers grab bars, nerf bars, and other accessories. For 2020, Factory 43 is the aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing Honda team, providing riders like Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Rostrelli, Chris Boric, and Grayson Eller with their motocross and cross country versions of Evo, Nerf bars, and MX style front bumpers. Head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products, thanks to Factory 43. We are proud to be partnered with Bikes, Trikes, and Quads, LLC. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC was started by former racers selling three-wheeler parts out of a barn in upstate New York. Now 10 years later, BTQ LLC has over 40,000 new and used parts in stock, but they haven't forgotten their roots, still offering used OEM parts for three-wheelers, dirt bikes, ATVs, and side-by-sides. Parts are in stock and ready to ship with guaranteed delivery within three days, including free shipping on orders of over $50. Use discount code ATVMX at www btqllc.com for $10 off of orders $50 or more. We're grateful to have Bike Strikes and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Support our industry's small businesses and thank you BTQ LLC. We are proud of our partnership with Roman Health. On average, Americans are forced to wait 29 days to see a doctor in major US cities. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform to connect you with a licensed doctor in your state from the comfort of your own home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy will ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping plus there's no commitments and you can cancel any time with roman so if you're struggling with ed go to getromancom digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping that's getromancom digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping thanks as always to evans waterless power sports coolant upgrade to evans now to avoid overheating and boil over next time you hit the track when conditions are at their worst evans is at its best Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save at checkout, evanscoolant.com. Thanks to Blender's Eyewear, whose life in forward motion brand is the perfect fit to partner with our podcast. You won't find better shades for a more attractive price anywhere else. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save on the trendiest shades in the market, blenderseyewear.com.
2: Thanks to Avocado Green Mattresses, the Avocado Mattress offers zoned back support with an internal support unit meaning whether you are recovering from a hard day of riding or relaxing on a Sunday morning, you are experiencing next-level comfort. With a 100-night sleep trial, free shipping and return pickups, and a 25-year warranty, getting your Avocado Green Mattress could not be any easier. Step up your sleep game by visiting avocadomattress.com. From
0: our new partners to our original sponsors, thanks for supporting the number one podcast in ATV racing and making this dream a reality for both us and our listeners. We pride ourselves in partnering with only the best brands inside and outside of the industry so better your riding experience and your lifestyle by supporting the sponsors who support us. And if you enjoy the show, the best thing you can do is support our partners. If you're interested in becoming a partner of the show, shoot me a message or email today for more details. We are running a discounted partnership rate to assist small businesses, so message or email us today to keep your brand relevant. Once again, thanks to all of our sponsors. And now, we're so stoked to welcome this guy to our podcast to tell his story, which is unlike any other. Brought to you by Yamaha's YFZ450R. It's Blue Crew's own Dustin Nelson. What's up, man? Thanks for coming on our show. Yeah, no problem.
3: Thanks for having me. Uh, We've been talking a little bit over the last few weeks, and it's cool to finally get on here and talk with you.
0: Yeah, we're stoked to have you on and uh, to cover what was an extremely unique and diverse career of yours. Um, obviously, like some people are going to remember you. I mean, obviously now as a UTV guy, some will remember you as like a, a West Coast ATV god. And personally, you know, my first memories of you are, are over here, like east of the Mississippi, racing WPSA, um, like back in 2007. But you know there's so much more to your story the atv portion is really only part of it
3: yeah you know um i was uh i grew up racing dirt bikes i started racing when i was six years old and um yeah i didn't know i didn't know anything else i was so SoCal kid and um you know just uh i mean we'll get to everything i'm sure but um my path was was super different you know um my path led led me to quad racing through being a test rider for Yamaha. Um, Back in 1999, I started um, working with Yamaha as a test rider on the dirt bikes. Um, And it was just a super cool job for like a privateer moto guy. You know, like I was getting paid to go ride somebody else's bikes during the week um, and help them develop, you know, new production bikes and, 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 you know, try to better their production bike line. So um, that, was, that was awesome just getting to test for Yamaha. And then um, a few years later, that turned into a tap on the shoulder and, hey, we have this quad that's geared toward motocross. Would you help us test it? And um, I've never been an employee of Yamaha. I'm, I'm an outside contractor, so I'm a daily rate guy. I'm like, more days? That's, that's more dollars in my pocket. Heck, yeah, I want to help you test it. And sure, um, yeah. I also grew up being in Southern California, going to the desert you know, and, um, while I never personally owned a quad, my uncle and his buddies and a lot of people in our group did. And even when I was like 12, 13 years old, um, you know, once it got dark and you couldn't ride a dirt bike no more, um, you know, I was begging my uncle to be able to ride his quad around camp just to, you know, 12 year old, everybody else is drinking beer at the fire. 12 year old wants to just keep going. So, um, I was just begging him to, be able to start his quad and ride his uh 250r around camp you know so okay
0: uh, well that that, yeah and that's interesting because um you know knowing your Path But not necessarily your story, you never know uh, like where you stood on the ATV thing if you just got thrown into it so um, yeah, yeah that 's cool to think that you were uh, kind of open to the ATV thing from the very start but um, yeah to I think one of the reasons why your story is so unique and why people are so intrigued that do know it is i mean you had like a, you had a good solid dirt bike career first, so um, let 's I guess take it from the top because. You know, before you had anything to do with ATVs, like you said, as far as racing goes, um, like I said, you had a pretty solid motor- motorcycle career. So, and if I remember correctly, you won a Loretta's title pretty early on, right? So, um, talk us talk a little bit about that, and because uh, you were racing some big name guys, I thought at the time.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, I was always a, a one of the fastest kids growing up out here in SoCal, and that was a pretty deep talent pool so that was you know a good thing to be be fast out here that meant you were pretty fast against anybody Um, of course but obviously um when you went back east like Loretta's was always tough man like there was guys that were just that's such an east coast style track it's humid it's hot it rained at least one day every year we were there um just like the ruts were so gnarly and um but I think what's what's funny is my career on dirt bikes was kind of littered with like big crashes. Like I I was always fast, but part of me being fast was I was so competitive, like mentally and potentially I didn't have the talent to be going that fast, but I was willing to hang it out to try and win and which led to some catastrophic (laughs) failures (laughs) here and there. But, um, you know, okay. like, the funny thing is, looking back, is when I went to Loretta's, for some reason, I was, it was consistency that killed it for me. My first year in Loretta's was 1993. I was riding um, 14 Green. It was my first year on Team Green. It was my last year on, on 80s, on 85s. Okay. <laughs> and um, I went there. I had a broken shoulder when qualifying was going down. So I only made it in one class. Um, okay. so I went all the way to Tennessee to race one class and
0: which nobody does, which nobody yeah. does.
3: It's, it's such a massive expense, especially for, uh, you know, I didn't have, you know, well-off parents or anything. And so, yep. but we went and, and I was an alternate for the other class. So I was hoping to get to race the other one. Um, but it just didn't happen. And then I won the, I won the championship on uh, my first time there. And I one with two, three, two finishes, I never won a moto. But I never finished bad in the moto either. And that's that was what won it. Uh, and that was
0: your very first try, right? At Loretta's. That was your very first first try.
3: try. You know, I was there for one class, my first try, and I won. It was it was just crazy.
0: So yeah, and for and for maybe somebody who if if you're a listener and you're not totally entrenched in the amateur dirt bike world. I mean, those 85 classes are, are as stacked as could be because those are the riders that go, you know, to the, to the, right to the B classes or the A classes or whatever. So, yep. um, and name some of the guys that you were racing. Cause it was, it was Sellards. There was a, a, Charlie a freestyle guy in there. Yep. Charlie Bogart.
3: Um, Mark Burkhart, who ended up being like a really good supermoto guy for a while. Yep. Uh, um, yep. Jason Partridge was a really good guy in our, in our time. Uh, Ricky okay. was actually luckily Ricky was a like a year or so behind us so you know okay. but I would usually have one year without Ricky in a class and then he would move into it the next year you know so <laughs> it was like <clears throat> okay but um you know cuz by that time he was almost unbeatable but um yeah just had some pretty solid guys and just you know um there was like a kid from Michigan that was super fast back then Matt Mac off and um yeah, there's just a you know, I would say Sellards probably made it the farthest. Uh okay. at that time, probably Bogard was the gnarliest. He was so fast and and he continued to be that way on big bikes when he first got on. And then I don't know if he just got injured too many times or what happened, but um he, he faded away. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a crazy year, you know, it was like um so much pressure with just one class but you were only there to concentrate on one thing and it just all went my way that year so
0: yeah it all worked out so then did you um so you were already a team green rider at that time so then did you maintain that in the years after I'm assuming
3: yeah so 93 was my first year on team green like I said it was my last year on 85 and then uh it was actually like one of the coolest things I ever had happen to me was at the race as soon as I right after I won the championship, uh, team green brought me into like their motor home there and laid a contract out in front of me for the next year on uh, big bikes, you know? So it was like, oh, wow. uh, my dad and I, we had talked about, um, cause I age wise, I was still going to be okay to race 85s the next year, but I didn't want to. Um, I was a pretty small guy at the point at that point still, but, um, I just felt like it was time to move up and we were worried they were going to offer me another contract for 85s. And, uh, they laid out okay. a contract to race the B class on 125 and 250s, so it was uh it was pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, you had to take it. So then that would have been '94, and how did that lead up to? I mean, how successful were you in those <laughs> next couple of years prior to going pro? So
3: um, I was on Team Green all the way through '96, and um, just kind of followed their their path, right? You know, the, the yep. in '94 I rode uh, 125 and 250B. The next year, I was riding 125 and 250 A. And then the next year, I was riding 125 and 250 like A, what they call pro sport, which is like the guys yep. that are ready to go to the nationals. And um, yeah. <clears throat> I would say that um, I didn't I, – I was never, like, the top dog going into a race like Loretta's. I was I – was, everybody thought I would be, like, top five or seven, you know, but nobody ever expected me to win – those races there was guys on team green that were definitely higher on the rung you know above me um but i always felt like you know still the competitive side of me i always felt like i i should be the guy and i I wanted to be the guy so um and that the the pressure builds as you're going toward like turning pro and i i want to say back then like the the Potential for getting like a good ride coming out of the amateurs was pretty small. There wasn't as many like, you know, star Yamaha, Geico Honda. There wasn't as many of those type of teams to step into, especially of for Team Green guy. There was basically Mitch's program, and that was like two guys, you know.
0: Okay. So, yeah, it's not like it is now.
3: No, there was there just wasn't as many spots to land. You know, so there was a lot more really good amateurs that were coming out and being full privateers. So it was like you wanted, to, you wanted to kill it your last year or two in, in the amateurs to hopefully land a chance at one of those rides. Of
0: okay. course you did, yeah.
3: But, uh, yeah, the Loretta thing, like, I, I never won again. I only have one championship. Okay. Um, but, okay. like, the next year was crazy. Like, 94 I went, and I was opposite of the first year. I went 1-6-1 for a third <laughs> okay. in the 125 <laughs> class. And I went two, or I went, I think three, four, five for a for a second in the 250 class. So it was like,
0: oh gosh,
3: I was consistent enough, but not consistent enough to win. You know, I went one, six, more yeah. and That was like a heartbreaker. To there's one mud moto. I think I fell once and and you know I lost the championship by getting especially
0: especially because there's it's a three moto format. You win two of them. You obviously yeah. feel like you're the best guy. Yeah. You
3: know? Yeah, but so, it was tough. Uh, it was always fun i I looked back, my wife and I were looking back uh, when the Reds was going on a year or two ago, and they had that vault, you know, yep. and I looked back at all the results and I knew I always did good there, but I never you know when you're not winning, you didn't pay attention as much and um, of course, I was pretty pumped on my consistency i i never finished a moto worse than seventh in all the years I went, and I never had a no worse than fit, so
0: Oh wow, that's bad. that's really no no no, that's really impressive. Um, and yeah, you're the competitor in you at the time doesn't let you doesn't allow you to kind of embrace how well you're probably actually doing, right? And then you look back on it, yeah. and it's like yeah, I can oh, definitely better than...
3: appreciate it now. But yeah, at the time, I was like fifth, sucks, you know.
0: And yeah, that's just how. It is. Well, because because the reality of it is, when you go to Loretta's as a as a motorcycle guy. There's like one person in every class that leaves happy. The rest of them are. So, um, so yeah, I totally get it. So, uh, you talked about those last couple amateur years and then if I remember correctly in 96, you went pro. Is that, is that right?
3: No, that's the first year I was racing like a couple supercrosses and nationals. I was still team green at that point. So I had to do the amateur races, but, um, you know, with the Team Green would basically allow you to do a couple nationals, a couple super crosses. Okay, uh, basically that's your last year in Team Green, basically. So they're they're like, all right, we're gonna help you get warmed up for what you have to go into next year. And, sure. and Killer, you, know, trying showcase. Rules too, you couldn't have I don't think you could score national points before Lorettas if you were riding, if you were gonna race Lorettas, you had to go there with zero points. So Okay. All the team green guys would usually just go to Loretta's and then maybe do the last two or three nationals.
0: I remember when that used to be more like that. So that makes sense. And and yeah, I guess um as you start to talk about going pro then and and uh beginning to chase that dream, take me through the professional part of your career prior to kind of getting uh with Yamaha.
3: Yeah, um well it's it's tough. Like, uh, so obviously at the end of 96, I didn't get the ride with pro circuit. Um, okay. So, uh, I was one of those pretty high end, uh, amateurs that were going into the pro ranks, like as a full privateer. And, um, I, I'd, I'd been in contact with a local shop just, uh, down by us motorola the of Elkhorn, it's called. And, um, they were a Honda and Yamaha dealer. And, um, there, the owner was like, uh, he was from Minnesota, and he was just like a moto guy. Like he, he grew up racing moto. He just loved it, and he okay. wanted to help out a couple local guys. And um, it was just like a a good timing thing, you know. Um, basically, my team green thing was just I had just kind of run through it. It wasn't gonna be there the next year, and um, yep. there was a very small chance of me getting on uh, the Chaparral team. That was just kind of getting started at that time but that didn't okay. work out and then um so i went and talked to this guy brian junkie at, at motorworld and i was like hey man you know i'm trying to go racing and and you know the the cool thing is that whether it was dirt bikes were cheaper or or times were better but um dealerships back then they could they could afford to help a couple guys out maybe and and, uh, sure. So I think he contacted Yamaha, and I never had anything directly through Yamaha. It was all through the shop, but I think they might okay. kind have of helped him out on a couple bikes. And um, so I switched to Yamaha's in '97, and um, <clears throat> you know I was just doing like 125 West Coast Supercross, uh, and and some some nationals couldn't afford to go to all or you know many of them, but um, was yep. doing whatever I could. And then we'd hit all these big these big local series like what we have out here in the in california the golden state series was a big one yeah. back then a lot of top yep. guys wrote it you know back then there was a ton of contingency you could make at all these races and stuff like that so um i i was part way through it was most of the way through the west coast supercross season and i was doing the golden state and um and i just weeded my brains out and broke my femur <laughs> And so that, that put everything on a, you know, big delay. I broke, well, I broke my femur and I, and I destroyed my right wrist. Basically I dislocated my wrist to where it laid back on my forearm and um, it just tore a bunch of ligaments in my wrist. And that was actually a huge changing point in my career because um, my wrist is destroyed still. Like um, I've had another surgery uh, since then to try to help it out but, okay. um, basically never got full movement out of my right wrist, which is your throttle wrist. And of course, yeah. Um, and I also like for years and years struggled with grip strength, which is tough okay. when you're hanging onto a dirt bike and, or, or quad or you know, anything trying to rip through rough stuff. So of course, um, yeah. So that was, that was massive. Um, and that really <clears throat> kind of changed the trajectory of my dirt bike career. Um, I was, I would say that I had still quite a bit of potential until then. And then, um, of course, as a, as a young, you know, I think I was, uh, well, I was 19 when that happened. So, you know, I was a young kid and I was like, all I knew was dirt bikes. Uh, Yeah, I was, I was gnarly hurt, but all I could think about was coming back and racing. And, um, and so as soon as I could possibly get back on a dirt bike I did and I probably didn't do myself any favors because I hurried my comeback and and struggled more and more um so I probably kind of like dropped out of everybody's vision of like being a potential guy for a good ride at any point okay but um you know it was just like that's all I knew you know and 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 I kind of realized after that wrist injury that it probably wasn't in the cards for me to ever be like the top five big guy like I, I like I thought I might be able to. Um, okay. But I still loved racing, and I could make enough money to get by, and um, and I hoped that like it would you know it would still pan out for me. So I just kept after it.
0: Of course you did. And that's, I mean, especially even as a, whether you're a 19 year old person or a 29 year old person, it really doesn't matter when all you ever knew was dirt bikes is, I mean, it's a scary thing to venture from that. So you're saying that you had the ability to get by to make, you know, to make okay money, just sticking with this thing. So I I can see how you didn't want to venture too far away from that. Um, you know, and, and as athletes, um, we always want more, right, so i like I kind of get I can hear the tone in your voice, um but I think that it's worth saying like that your career was still like it was still impressive, I mean, you were still fast, you were still a main event guy, you were still you know a twelve to fifteenth place guy outdoors or whatever um I mean, which is amazing, like in your prime, you earned national number 63, right? Which is to yeah. anybody that knows how that system works, that means you're a bad dude. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just uh, want to make sure that, you know, I, it, you give yourself like enough credit for my listeners to know how good of a motorcycle rider you were.
3: Yeah, I, you know, and that's again, one of those things that looking back, I can appreciate it. But at the time, I was like, this this sucks you know like I have these crazy high expectations and of course yeah what happened was um you know I was expecting to ride some nationals in 97 and um you know start working my way up that up that two-digit number ladder you know like earning earning a national number and and with that you came came quite a bit of perks you know like it was so easy to call sponsors and be like I'm a national number guy so of course. and you know that opened a lot of doors for you and so um like the harsh reality of it all was it took me like 3 years before I ever earned a national number you know and and okay. I was just like man I was trying so freaking hard and it just wasn't <laughs> going my way you know um, yeah and so i would say that um, right around the time, just just after uh, when I started testing, or just before I started testing with Yamaha, um, okay, in nineteen ninety eight when the first YZ four hundred came out, um, yep. there was like I would call it like a second tier national series that was going on called the Four Stroke Nationals, it's
0: the Four Stroke Nationals, and
3: yep. um, they you know until the YZ four hundred came out, it was like guys on these like you know KTMs are legit now but the KTM of those days was not yep. like it is now no. <laughs> and no, these like not. crazy brands that you've never heard of like Vortex and Vertimati and all these like yeah. crazy off the wall brands of of four strokes and and so when the YZ 400 came out the owner of the shops like hey why don't you take one of these and and go race the four stroke nationals cuz there was like a western version of it and right. um so I started riding four stroke nationals and it was like, it was almost like a rebirth of my moto career because I was like, Oh dude. So yeah, it's second tier group, but I'm back fighting for wins now. Like I'm, I'm battling of in the top five. Um, you know, I'm getting more love and more help from some of my sponsors and <clears throat> it just like sparked, you know, it sparked me back up and, and it was time to go again.
0: Of course, anything you can do to kind of make your make a name for yourself again. So it totally makes sense. And were you able to to like get contingency money and stuff like that doing that series yeah. as well? Yeah. So Yamaha because they had a branding
3: four stroke, they were just trying
0: to promote the crap out of it. So Of course they were. Yeah. So they were you
3: know, they were paying contingency everywhere. Like, you know, the Golden State stuff like that paid good, but the four stroke Nationals was like they didn't have to because they had the, really the best bike out there by far, but, of course. But, yep, every almost everybody was riding one, anyways. They didn't have to offer contingency, but they did, and, and it was you know a good extra little bit of money coming my way, so it helped a ton. And, um, you know, it's a racing's a funny thing, like you when you're just getting beat down, beat down, beat down, like we try to be so mentally strong, right, and and, and try to push through it all, but it. it it gets to you at some point. You start doubting yourself, and then when you get out there, and you know that you're racing against guys that aren't the guys that are winning nationals. But you know, at that time, like Lance Smale was was king of the four-stroke nationals, and he was going to nationals and getting like top tens on a okay. on a gnarly Husaberg or something like that. You know, so it was <laughs> like, dude, if he's okay. going and running that thing and getting top tens, and I'm chasing him down at some of these races. You know, it just yeah. sparked so much more confidence. And, of course, it did. And it's a massive—that's a massive change. You know.
0: So, yeah. Um, and then. So did that? Did that take you back to racing outdoors? Then? I was racing outdoors that whole time. I was just having okay. not
3: much success at it. You know, I was.
0: Okay. I was okay.
3: finishing in the most of the time, like the twenty to thirty. I'd sneak in the top twenty every once in a while, and get up to one or two, but. Okay. but never enough to get a national number you know like gotcha um back then you know if you had like 10 points at the end of the year you could you you might you were like hoping that you would be in the 90s it was close. you know um yep. but you know i was just just a couple points away a few times but um and, and then in 99 uh, i started testing with yamaha and i was just like okay so now I have like a little bit of stability because I'm getting paid for something other than racing.
0: And, of course. Yeah. And that sure.
3: was cool. Even though it was just like random days, they'd call me and be like, Hey man, can you come ride? Um, it was just super cool to get money from not racing. Um, uh, yep. and then just have that much more confidence and, um, I don't know. Like it just calms you down a little bit, knowing that you already made some money this week, and when you go to the race that weekend, it's not like do or die.
0: It's not make or break. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, so how did the being a test rider for Yamaha? How did that all start?
3: <laughs> That's a crazy story in itself. Um, so, okay. um, I got the opportunity to do a Rick Johnson riding school um Rick Johnson was my hero growing up uh I grew up in El Cajon California Rick Johnson was from El Cajon California the cones of like him and Brock Lover on the machine, they all made it like so cool to be from El Cajon California when I was a kid and (laughs) um so I was racing um I think this was the beginning yeah it was the beginning of 99 I raced San Diego Supercross on on Saturday and I raced, uh, I raced a golden state race at, at Verona, my local track on Sunday. Okay. I mean, that's, that's, way a that's the way, that's way I did it as a privateer. Like
0: yep. super fast yep.
3: Saturday night. There's a local track an hour away, go race that Sunday and try to make some money. And <laughs> okay. so, um
0: crazy times. Yeah, it was
3: crazy. So, so Rick Johnson showed up like toward the end of the day on Sunday and he's like, Hey man, uh, I'm doing a writing school here on Monday and Tuesday. Could you come and be a guest instructor? And I was okay. like, yeah. Hell yeah. Sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, he was like, I can only pay you a hundred bucks. And I'm like, dude, I would have done it for free just to be like work with, you know, Rick Johnson. It was rad. So I was like, yeah. Um. So through doing the two days of working with, with Rick, uh, I was introduced to Doug Dubach, who was also a guest instructor, and Yamaha Doug guy. had been a test rider for Yamaha for like 15 years already. Right. And, yep. um He's kind of a legend in the testing world. You know, he just of course he was is. A, yep. He's just been there forever, <clears throat> and um, yes, and he actually, Doug actually won a Supercross back in his day, like in '91, and so it was just sure like did. he was just so so cool to work with. You know, I worked with rick for part of the day with one group of riders worked with doug for part of the day with another group of riders and basically at the end of it all uh doug was just like hey man let me get your phone number you know sometimes at yamaha we need an extra guy to you know to ride and i was like sweet so i gave my number and it was crazy like two weeks later my phone rang and it was um the testing boss at the time for yamaha ed scheidler and he was like hey you know, Doug gave me a phone number. Uh, we had a guy that was like an in-house guy that also tested and he just left for Kawasaki. He's like, Do you wanna we don't wanna replace the in-house part of the job, but we need a test rider. You wanna meet a at Glen Hill on this weekend or this you know Thursday? And I was like, Oh yeah. So it was so funny because um Scheidler is like a he's like a gnarly like super intimidating, scary old dude. And, okay. and he was just like, he was yelling, basically yelling at me. Then I didn't even know him yet that this is not, you're not getting the job. This You're just going to come test for us one day. We'll see how it goes, you know? And um, okay. I was just like, oh, okay. All right. You know, and um, <laughs> the first day I showed up, I remember like that easy up and he had a chair on one side of the easy up for Doug and a chair on the other side for me. We weren't allowed to talk to each other. To like share information like it was just like he was just so intimidating it was so gnarly um but you know he was just he was super serious about his job he wanted to make the best bikes there was and um he wanted to make sure like that as a as a new guy i wasn't going to be full of shit he basically told me straight up that i would rather you tell me i don't feel anything than make something up and the first day he sent me out on on a bike came in like they worked on it for a little bit he sends me back out and i come in and i'm like i'm doing like three laps on the track and i'm the other times when i went out i could tell right away something was different and i did like three laps on the track i came in and i'm like dude i can't i can't feel a difference he's like oh that's good we didn't change anything I was just testing it and I'm like, oh my God, dude, this guy's so gnarly. So it was, um, it was crazy, but it was just like, you know, that it was a foot in the door that just, you know, I still, I still work with them. It's that was 99. This is 2020. I'm 21 years into it. And, um, just last week I was testing dirt bikes with Yano. It's pretty
0: crazy. Uh, that is crazy. And, um, it takes a special rider to, I mean, there's tons of great riders that aren't good testers. So, um, they obviously found a, a great guy for the job and, you know, like you said, the, it was a, like the four stroke nationals were a a revival of your career. It seems like kind of aligning yourself with Yamaha and it just happened by happenstance, like you said, but aligning yourself with Yamaha was again, like a, like a, uh, career move that changed your entire path. Um, you know, you talked about how you got with the testing job. And I guess when, uh, when you take this, you know, when you're, when you're, Um, helping Yamaha test their stuff you know did did, I mean like when did the ATV part come up because I'm sure at the beginning you're thinking I'm testing motorcycle stuff like that's it and somehow you find your way into into testing ATV stuff.
3: Yeah it was just um, yeah it was just it was another crazy thing you know like like you said, the, the testing job really helped me basically extend my career. I don't know if I would have been able to keep racing as long as I did on dirt bikes without making that extra money on the side from the testing. Um, okay. And then, and then um, let's see, the, the first 450 was um, a 2004 model. So it was released in 2003. So I believe it was like beginning of like 01. So I've been testing with them for almost two years and they just approached me and they were like, Hey man, we have a quad that's geared toward motocross. Do you want to help us test it? Okay. And, um, you know, I was private private contractor form, uh, never an employee. So it's like more days, more money. Absolutely. I'll help you test cars. If you want to make them, I don't care. You know,
0: this is the, and this is the story I heard. So I wanted to make sure that I had the story, right. That, uh, you know, that you said that, you know, more riding time was going to be more money. So, um, that's crazy that that's (laughs) the way the story went.
3: Yeah. That's uh, yeah, there was no way I would be turning down testing days at that time. You know, um, of course. And, it was, it was wild. My first, my first ever YFC 450 test was at Carlsbad Raceway, which um, is like, it's been long gone now, but it was like an old, like European style natural terrain track. So it didn't have like jumps on it really had like dropaways and stuff like that. Uh And it was like hard packed and slippery. And I went there and I was like, dude, I felt like a hero. I'm like, I'm not going to you know, usually I come here and I have to worry about sliding the front end out and leaving here with scabs on my elbows. But on a quad, I'm not going to do that. And I, you just felt like a hero. You just slide it around. There was no jumps that of course. scared me. And I was like, right. "This thing's sick. This is super fun." And <laughs> okay. uh, and then the next two days were like glamorous, and you know, so we were just riding out in the dunes in the desert. And I was like, "Oh, this is this quad stuff's pretty sweet." You know, like as far as the testing goes. Uh Um, and then I would say like, so the, the funny thing that happens when, when the development of something that is completely new like that. Um, so I would say I rode the bike for three or four days. The first test I ever rode. Um, then it goes back to Japan and you don't see it for three months. Like, you, you know, so, so they brought over this prototype. We rode it for like three or four days it goes back to Japan with all the notes and and everything that we came up with. And then you don't see the bike for three months, you know, and like you, you don't really hear anything of it. And then all of a sudden the phone rings and it's like, Hey, we have another ATV test. Like, you know, and then I remember like the second time we went testing, they went to like more like legit motocross tracks. And I was like, Oh shit. What did I get myself into? Cause now there's like doubles and big tabletops and, um, I was comfortable sliding the sliding the quad around and of oh, course were. corner. Yeah. All that stuff. Like that's that's what a quad's known for, you know, everybody can do that and sling it and it's super fun. But all of a sudden now you're throwing in like these doubles and, and big jumps and we were at tracks that um, they weren't all groomed, like they were rough up the lips and it was like, Oh man, it was so scary. <laughs> like and it was okay. it was other moto guys, you know, that were helping us test mostly and um it turned into like this really funny game of like chicken with all the test riders we were like daring each other to be the next guy to do a jump you know to to where we would finally by the end of the day like most of the whole group would get get every jump on the track but it was you know now that I look back on it like it's sad like we were so scared of like these 20 foot doubles because they had like a kicker on them or you know like that nowadays yeah. after I spent so much time on quads, it would be like no big deal. But we were deathly afraid of that stuff at the beginning. It was it was crazy.
0: Well, as a in a, to a, a dirt bike rider, any of those uneven faces or kickers or whatever, like that's what they, that's what scares any, any dirt bike rider on an ATV. So it totally makes sense. But now you, now, you know, all these years later, you're able to look at it as a, as a, you know, a semi quad guy and, uh, or have, or have both views, I guess. Right. And uh, it's crazy to, uh, to hear the difference, but um, so how, I guess, how much did the machine change from the from when you first started testing it to you know kind of that next test and then so on and so forth until it became the production model how much how much change was there
3: uh, it's it's kind of crazy they they were pretty spot on 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 performance uh right away okay uh i would say that it got massively more durable we broke it a lot at the beginning um okay. but then also at the beginning it had like all this like crazy um like all the plastic was made out of fiberglass. Um and they they had it actually shaped sorta to look like a raptor in case anybody saw it with like oh, funky, okay. crazy big fiberglass fenders and everything like sure. that. And, sure. sure, um, yeah. So it's actually um it was it was crazy. It actually worked one time. We were at Glamis, and you know, we're at Glamis and like on a Wednesday, you know, like pretty much nobody's there. Um, Okay. But the thing was like running like crap. They had like the seat off and they were trying, I think, I think they were trying to find some wiring issue or something. And and this guy cruises over from like another camp down, down the way. And he starts telling us about his friend's Raptor. It does that shit all the time. And you know, what you got to do is you got to get those carbs synced up and you know, like, He's telling us all about his friend's Raptor, and the Japanese are like going, they're going wacko because they think somebody's going to see this super secret bike. And, and of
0: course.
3: it was so funny because the guy was like just telling us how to jet our Raptor, and then he just walked away. And we're just like, oh my God, wow, thank you.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, so yeah, that, uh, I didn't even think about that question prior to this about, uh, how much the machine changed, but yeah, that's super interesting. Um, so then I guess lead me from, you know, you're testing this Y of Z lead me to how that gets you into actually racing. In ATV, because it seems like even when you're, uh, you were just talking about just being little sketched out and jumping little doubles and stuff. So, <laughs> how do you go from there to actually starting racing a quad?
3: Well, um, I would definitely say that being involved with it from the very beginning um, gave me, you know, like I said, probably almost two years on the bike. Now it, it was with three month breaks in between most of the time, but almost two years on the bike before anybody knew about it. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, thank goodness for that because I sucked at the beginning and I, you know, slowly figured it out. Um, okay. But yeah, like basically the craziest thing was testing a YFZ prototype and then going and racing like a four stroke national on a weekend on a dirt bike. And then, you know, like it was just that. Like, that was a really strange time for me.
0: Um, I'm sure it was. Yeah,
3: because so, I basically um, at the end of at the end of '01, I gave up on doing any supercross. I decided I'd only do some four-stroke nationals and nationals from then on. I didn't want to do supercross anymore. Um, okay, and it was mostly just because I felt like I didn't. The one thing I struggled in supercross with my wrist. I I had issues and um, and so I felt like with the amount of testing I was doing at that time the four-stroke nationals were kind of starting when supercross was going and then I would run into the nationals. So, um, <clears throat> that was, a, uh, you know, that's just what I felt like worked best for me. But then it was like, you're, it was
0: like, you're fighting a losing battle, not being able, you're struggling with your wrist. Plus you didn't get like an opportunity to ride a bunch of supercross. I'm sure either. especially yeah, back yeah, then. The there preparation, wasn't all these,
3: preparation was just too hard by, Like for me at that time, like, Sure. All the days that I was spending at the track testing, um, whether it was dirt bikes or quads, I I should have been on a supercross track if I wanted to have any chance of being a success on that on the supercross side. But um, of course, I was I was able to make money going testing, and I just found that the the four stroke nationals was more my niche. You know, I I ended up in '99. I won that championship, so so that was like another kind of peak in my moto career. But uh, that's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, just like testing the quad, by the time it came out in like, I don't know, maybe October maybe of 03, um, the the Yamaha guys were like, I'd advanced pretty well. I was riding riding it on a motocross track pretty good. And um, the last couple tests that we did, we had Coriolis come out. And Corey okay. was killing it. You know, he was winning. He would win a national here and there at that at that time. And and he was riding like a hybrid with a Yamaha motor in it at that time.
0: Yep. And he was. so,
3: um, Corey would come out, and I wouldn't be Corey's speed, but I wasn't like crazy far off of it either. And um, okay. <clears throat> and so the Yamaha guys were like, dude. All the testing guys were like, dude. You should race quads. You should you should start racing quads. And I'm like, I I don't I don't know. Like I I don't think so. And they're like, Well, the testing department is gonna give you a quad for helping with the development. They basically pinked me a quad, just handed me a quad and, and the pink slip, and here you go for a bonus that's a for nice, helping with the development. I
0: was I was just gonna say that's a nice bonus. Yeah, it
3: was it was pretty sweet. So <laughs> okay. but they were like, okay, but part of this is you have to go, you have to go race it. You have to go try, like just see. And so, um, I went to the last ITP quad cross of 2003. Okay. Um, with, with a totally stock YFZ 450. Um, I got some Nerf bars. Uh, I think I was riding for tag metals at the time. They hooked me up with handlebars and I bought a twister all kit and, um, (laughs) And I remember Corey, Corey Ellis was there and he actually brought me a kill tether and like wired it up for me that morning because I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But sure, yeah, so, um, I had stock, stock wheels and tires, stock shocks, everything still on it. And I remember having a conversation with my wife on the way there and it was like, what should I, what should I race? I've never raced a quad. So, do I race okay. like the intermediate class, or do I race the pro class? Like, I have no idea how this is gonna go. And and she's like, "Well, you're a pro on dirt bikes, so if you go out there and you kill the intermediate class, you're gonna be looked at like a douche. So you better you should just race pro. And however it goes, it it goes." And I'm like, okay.
0: I'm like, if it okay. doesn't go that well. if it doesn't go that well, I can bail. Yeah. yeah. I try.
3: So it's like. I was like, okay, so uh, the last the last quad cross of two thousand three was my first ever quad race, and um, I got second that day at Correos. And I, but I beat like the champion of that year, which was Jeremy Shell. I don't know if you remember him. Okay. Name,
0: but. Yeah, I do. I do. Yep. So,
3: so I beat him. He was like on a uh, like a Duncan built Cowie. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know, forget what he was riding, but oh yeah, it okay. was like a. LT 400 like yeah Kawasaki
0: yeah like the like yeah like the Z400 for yeah. the Kawasaki yeah. version yeah okay well so, yeah so it went, it went well then and then the rest is the rest is history or something
3: yeah it was it's <laughs> just like um it was kind of a crazy thing you know like I left that race and it was funny because there's a, a, a few like small ties of the quad industry and the moto industry in SoCal and Uh, my phone started ringing like and it was like these quad companies like itp called me and they're like hey you gonna race quads next year and i'm like yeah i don't know like I i don't know what i'm doing and they're like well we'll sponsor you with tires and wheels we'll take care of you whatever you need and i was like okay and then like ac racing was uh making nerf bars and bumpers and stuff like that and but they were they were actually a moto family a dirt bike family and so so like me, he called me and he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up with everything you need for a quad. And, and Tag made like stems and bars and I was already a tag rider. And I was like, and you know, and they even made like uh, skid plates and stuff. And I was like, holy crap. Like I'm basically getting a race quad built up and I don't even know what the hell I'm doing right now. So
0: yeah, this is, this is coming from a one week trial. <laughs> yeah,
3: but it was crazy. So um, in 2004, um, I just decided to do both. I raced dirt bikes and I raced quads. Like I I would definitely say I was more um I was definitely leaning toward the dirt bike stuff more. Like I was doing the whole four stroke national series. I was gonna do a couple quad or a couple nationals. And then basically however my dirt bike schedule laid out, if I had an off weekend and there was quad cross going on or a local quad race, I'd go do that and um okay. it was it was a crazy year like i i um that's actually where my number 94 comes from i earned 94 my last year on bikes
0: okay uh, yep and i've seen some pictures of you with the 94 on a yamaha at, yeah. at some nationals so yeah. uh so yep that and makes so, sense the
3: funny the funny thing is that the quad numbers were just my my dirt bike front number plates i just slapped on the fenders like they were already pre-94 <laughs> and i just slapped them on the fenders and that was, <laughs> that was that was my quad setup you know that's awesome that,
0: that, yeah that's that's like your uh hey i'm a dirt bike guy but yeah. i'm riding a quad yeah yeah so i'm that's keeping funny so i'm
3: keeping my dirt bike number shape still so
0: exactly yeah so did you take any flack at the time from like your bike buddies for racing a quad or was it not like that back yet back then.
3: Um. You know, it was still like that. I wouldn't say it was like the nuke the quads level, you know, like okay, the, okay. The, the height that it hit at that one point. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was still like moto guys were like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you know, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was more just like confusion than like looking down okay. for me for it. It was like, are okay. you serious? What? Why? Why would you do that? Um, But
0: my, but you must have been you must have been getting better and better on the four wheeler
3: yeah, yeah i mean i I think that that year just riding a few um a few quad cross races, i think i won a i won a couple, maybe I rode maybe four throughout the year, and i, I won like two of them and okay. um so it was like it, it, things are going going good, you know and and i felt like um I felt like I'd leveled off on good bikes, I was never gonna be what I hoped to be um i was i was ancient at that time i was 27 years old you know as far as dirt bike racing (laughs) you're not gonna like keep progressing at 27 Really, you're not you know gonna find your second win. um so uh i've been racing dirt bikes my whole life i've been a professional for 10 years already and it was like i loved it but quads were like new and exciting and i didn't know where I was going to top out you know like i knew where i topped out on dirt bikes so it was like this is new and exciting and um there was a couple of different factors like i didn't want to chase the nationals around the country anymore i just had my daughter my first kid in, in 2004 so it was okay. like man i can stay closer to home it's like new and exciting i don't know what the the top level that i could get to is and um the crazy thing is like with the sponsors that I had coming in, and like my gear sponsor was gonna stay with me and my, my contract was gonna be the same either way. Um, it was like, I'm gonna make the same amount of money or possibly better if I do better at racing. And yeah. um, I think there's more potential. So I decided at the end of 04, I'm like, okay, I'm going full full blocks.
0: We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Before digging deep was even a reality, back when it was just an idea, CST Tires already believed in us, which is fitting because no one believes in their tires more than I do. Our title sponsor, CST Tires, and their Paul R tires continue to hook every rider strong enough and willing to grab a handful of throttle after mounting them on their ride. Used by Thomas Brown to win races and clinch a third straight Quad Cross of Nations title, Nick Janusa when he grabbed his first career Pro Class podium, and myself, Cody Jansen, as I rode my Pulse MXR Fronts and White Label Soft Compound Rears to a 2019 National Championship in the Junior 25 Plus Class. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit csttires.com to join the CST Takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground.
3: Anybody that I've gotten to
0: try them,
2: I've heard nothing but positive things back.
0: We're proud to be Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. Why choose Yamaha? Look no further than Chad Wienan's six championships in the past eight seasons aboard his Yamaha YFZ 450R. Not to mention Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing and their support of this podcast proves it. For the 2020 ATV MX season, Yamaha's Blue Crew racer support program will offer payout and prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more information, head to YamahaOutdoors.com and follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors today. All hail Blue Crew, the number one OEM supporter of ATV racing. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at valvoline.com. SSI Decals is a name synonymous with ATV Racing, synonymous with big-time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best-looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off, and today you couldn't imagine ATV Motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV Motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross short course off-road trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and oh yeah, six-time NHRA world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI Decals, making your identity stick with championship level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is brought to you in part by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 chain. This patented X-Ring chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight, increased strength, and a longer overall chain life, making it the optimal ATV racing chain. Pick up an ATV2 chain today at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Don't forget about their motocross, off-road, and street bike chains as well. Wherever you go, go with DID.
4: Hello listeners, this is Chad Wiener, six-time AMA ATV Pro National Champion, an owner of Wiener Motorsports and proud partner of Digging Deep, ATV-MX podcast. The two of us share a strong passion for ATV-MX. Owning my own team gives us the ability to handpick the best products on the market for our racing program. With consistent testing, research, and development, we are confident that when choosing the products we believe in, our customers will be satisfied in building their own race program as well. We race what we sell. With brands like Fox Shocks, Walsh Racecraft, SSI Decals, Rath Racing, and Hinson Racing, just to mention a few, go to check out wienandmortisports.com to see the full lineup. Enter discount promo code DIGDEEP at checkout. Enough talking already. Get out and get some fresh air and go ride. Hope to see you at the track soon.
1: We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, Pistons with an Attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years, with a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits. Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. The Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades by supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2020 is no different, with an impressive lineup, including AMA ATV Pro Class Champion Joel Hetrick and Phoenix Racing Honda Team, Cody Jansen and his 2019 Junior 25 Plus National Championship, Baldwin Motorsports, Nick Januza. Wesley Wolf, and much more in the ATV motocross. In GNCC Racing, DP has 16 of the top 17 pros heading into 2020. This includes the Champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Chris Borich, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, Adam McGill, and more. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com. Purchase at your local dealer or message us for the contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. 4Works Carbon's innovative, lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. 4Works Carbon always working hard to bring high-quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com.
0: We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider-owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product, something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Grip's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the family affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at grippedgloves.com, that's G-R-I-P-T-Gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? Americans have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a licensed doctor in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping. We are also proud of our partnership with Factory 43. Factory 43 was born in 2007 making Nerf bars for the Suzuki LTR, Honda TRX 450R, and Yamaha's YFZ450. The brand soon added bumpers and grab bars and for years now has offered parts for all sport quads. The racer-owned company strives to offer a quality product that installs easy, looks good, and holds up over time. For 2020, Factory 43 is the aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing Honda team, providing riders like Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Restrelli, Chris Boric, and Grayson Eller with the motocross and cross-country versions of their Evo Nerf bar and MX-style front bumpers. Head over to Factory43ATV.com to see their full line of products, thanks to Factory 43. We are excited to dig deep with the support of Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC, celebrating their 10-year anniversary this May. The company was started by former racers selling three-wheeler parts out of a barn in upstate New York. Through hard work, accompanied by offering great service to their customers, BTQ LLC now has over 40,000 new and used parts in stock. But they haven't forgotten their roots, still offering used OEM parts for three-wheelers, dirt bikes, ATVs, and side-by-sides. Parts are in stock and ready to ship with delivery within three days, including free shipping on orders over $50. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for $10 off orders of $50 or more. We're grateful to have Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Support our industry's grassroots businesses. Thank you, BTQ LLC. The Decker Training Facility at County Line MX is now. Open This premier motocross training compound is located in beautiful Fountain, Florida, about a 40-minute drive from Panama City Beach. Their rapidly growing facility consists of a pro-level national track, amateur and youth tracks, woods loop, and mountain bike trails. Everything you need to train comfortably all winter long is available on-site, including private cabins, a full gym, RV hookups, bathhouses, garage, dump station, wash bays, and more. With accommodations for riders across the country and around the world, the Decker Training Facility will help you become the best rider you can be. Sign up for a group training session or a private lesson with nationally ranked pros. Train tougher, smarter, and harder this off season at one of Florida's most luxurious facilities. For more information, go to DeckerTrainingFacility.com or find them on Facebook and Instagram. Decker Training Facility, your elite training
2: experience. We are proud to be partnered with Avocado Green Mattresses. We all know that sleep and rest are an important part of any athlete's routine. Avocado's line of natural mattresses and pillows provide exactly the support you need to ensure you perform at your best while doing the best for the planet. The Avocado Mattress offers zoned back support with an internal support unit, meaning whether you are recovering from a hard day of riding or relaxing on a Sunday morning, you will be experiencing next level comfort. You can rest in peace knowing the components in your mattress and pillow are non-toxic, natural, and sustainably sourced. And getting your Avocado Green mattress could not be any easier. They offer a 100-night sleep trial, free shipping and return pickups, and a 25-year warranty. And if that wasn't enough, rest assured knowing they have five-star ratings by verified customers, including some of the Digging Deep staff. Step up your sleep game by visiting avocadomattress.com.
0: Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. Must have been by 2006, you were, you were winning, right? The West Coast Pro Quad Championship.
3: Yeah, so, yeah, it's funny. Like, I'd had success, and I went into 2005 with, like, devoting my, everything I was going to do with quads. So I was like, I think I can win you know i thought i could first first year of doing the whole thing i thought i could win and um i battled with dana creech and jeremy shell all year and it just was a it was an awakening like i felt like i was faster most of the time but i didn't win most of the races and um so it just made me realize quad racing is way different than dirt bikes you know like uh, the start is so massively important on quad racing um, mm-hmm. because the tracks are built for dirt bikes, and and you're looking to pass on something that's twice as wide. Um, yeah. So it was just like it was a super good learning experience, 2005, because I had never been so frustrated being the fastest guy at the track and finishing second or third. You know, I just yeah, I did that too many times in in 2005. I was so frustrated, and I was like. Okay, going into 2006, I I knew I was super driven. I've always like I was talking about earlier. I'm like massively competitive, at least mentally, and yep. I was just massively driven. So I was just like, I'm going to be the best starter there is in this series, and I'm going to have the most speed in the series. Like I'll be the fastest guy on the track every time, and I'm going to be the best starter there is. And if okay. I get to start and I sprint for the first half of the races, there's no way they didn't catch me. And so in the off season, all I did was just work on speed, like crazy speed, worked on starts, a ton of starts. And then 06, I went out and things went really well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. In which then in in 2006, you win that championship. And then um, if I remember correctly, that would have been, when that prompted the, the Yamaha factory-supported ride, right? Yeah,
3: so it was funny. I, I, uh, I always had, like, this thing with the racing department at Yamaha. Um, I felt like when I was an amateur on dirt bikes, uh, like, and I was on the Team Green program, uh, like, a couple of guys in the, the racing program at Yamaha, like, kind of scoffed at me a lot, uh, you know, and, and then when I was testing, and I was felt like we were kind of in the same family. Um, you know, they still didn't really talk to me that much. And so when I got a quad from the testing division and I was racing it, uh, Yamaha racing colors are blue and everybody that has to race something for Yamaha has to be blue. Okay. So Yamaha had a white and red model. So that's what I raced. I raced a white and red model just to like, okay. You know, as an FU racing department, because they didn't Stick help it me. They didn't help me, so I was like, "Nope, I'm gonna race on a wide red model." And, and it was so funny because um, a couple big things happened for me leading into the last race of 2006 when I was, you know, I was gonna win the championship. Yep. Um, one was that Yamaha called me the racing department and was like, "We want to offer you a two-year contract," and and I'm like, "Okay, that's cool." And so like, but this is a thing we want to be able to advertise it that you're winning this championship. So we need you to make your bike blue for the last round. And, uh, so I was like, okay, we'll send, there's five. more, I'm like sending, there's more six. So, so because I had a contract coming, so I changed my bike over to blue for the last round. And another okay. big thing that happened that year was, um, Red Bull decided to make their move into quad racing. and, uh, I've been in talks with them as well. And so okay. they like rushed me a helmet before the last round of the quad cross. So I could wear a Red Bull helmet for the last round and they could advertise or they could be in on the advertising by, by Yamaha basically.
0: Okay and that's when that all started cuz yeah I mean the the pictures that are burned into my memory of of you um is the all blue machine and the in the redville helmet so that's when it, yeah. that's when it started huh
3: Yeah last round of 2006 is uh, to switch everything over from being against the racing department to working together with
0: them <laughs> and that's what I was going to say before is for anybody else, maybe uh the switch to blue wouldn't have been that big of a deal, but for you uh that was a big change so that's uh that's pretty that's pretty funny and it it had to be surreal for you too. you know you earned this factory ride now. And um, I guess give me your thoughts on on what you were feeling becoming a factory rider, probably something that you had always dreamed of, but it happened on four wheels instead of two.
3: Yeah. Um, well, when I saw the numbers, I definitely wished it happened on two, but you know, <clears throat>
0: it's I'm sure. It, it was
3: still it was still cool. You know, like still pretty yeah. cool to get a, a, I would just say quote unquote factory contract of. Um, you know, unfortunately an A T V racing contract is much different than a dirt bike contract, but um right. still to be getting uh bikes, parts and checks from Yamaha to go race quads is was a pretty cool uh feeling and um you know it was uh yeah, it was a ton of ton of work to get there, obviously. Um, but you know that that was probably my well, winning races was my goal, but my goal all along was to, to have that sort of support.
0: Yeah. that, And again, I think it is cool that, uh, you went from having, you know, no ATV racing slash ATV motocross experience to you work your tail off and you, you earn yourself a ride. So I think that that part is, uh, pretty cool and a credit to you, of course, but then, I mean, take me through those next handful of years because you went on to win you know six ATV championships plus and you got to do the WPSA thing over here which was a huge deal at the time and uh you know you were one of the top ATV racers in the world at the time so um and not to mention uh you played a huge role in Yamaha's takeover of ATV racing which is still um you know very much intact to this day so Do you ever like reminisce and think, you know, thank God that Yamaha asked me to test this ATV because you carved out a pretty cool niche for yourself?
3: Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely been a, it's been a cool ride. You know, there's, there's definitely been ups and downs. Uh, you know, I would say 06 was a a massive up because like I won my first championship. I got a Yamaha factory contract. I signed a Red Bull deal, you know, like those were big things in the, in, in my world, especially, but in the quad world in general, that was a big deal.
0: Hell yeah, they were. Hell but, yeah, they were. And, and even at the time, Dustin, I don't think that your story was exposed as much as it should have been being uh, being uh, just to even be able to say you were a national number dirt bike guy who becomes a top tier quad guy. That was a story that everybody should have known, yeah. yet I don't think everybody within the industry knew it at the time.
3: Well, I think that part of that comes from my background as being a test guy. Like, okay. testing guys were behind the scenes. You know, we don't, yeah we're not, you know, it was weird for me. I would say, I would say when like the YFZ 450R was introduced, I became more of a okay. face for Yamaha. You did, um, yep. And, that was weird because I was used to being the guy behind the scenes Dude, the shadows. That, that nobody knew was doing all this work to, to make these motorcycles and ATVs better. And okay. um, so I would say that that had part that had something to do with like um, me, especially just not coming out and being like, Hey guys, look at me. this is my story, you know, because sure, I
0: get that. Um,
3: yep. But also like, I don't know. It's 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 a it's a weird way to go about it. Like, um, I would say what what made my move from two wheels to four wheels um, like such a no brainer for me was just my passion of racing. I just love sure. racing, and yeah. if I could race a four wheeler and make money and and support my family and do what I loved, then yep. I didn't care if everybody talks shit on me, you know, like about from my old dirt bike today, days. like, I didn't care. Like yeah. my passion is racing. And if I get to keep doing something that I'm that passionate about and that I love that much, then I'm okay.
0: Of course. Yeah. It makes total sense to me. I just, when I think back on it now, because I mean, I was, a. Uh, I was a, you know, a teenage, younger teenage kid, you know, when you would have been around here doing WPSA and just like the thought of seeing the 94 in the 450 class or 250 class at the time racing outdoor nationals. And then to the, you know, to number 94 on a factory Yamaha quad, like, again, that's just a story that, um, I wish more people would have known. Like, I wish I would have known at the time. Cause I would have been like. It would have just, it's just such a cool story that even like now, I think it's a really cool story to expose because uh, it's, it's so rare. Like you're the only one, you know?
3: Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a different story. That's for sure. I mean, I would definitely, um, I definitely felt like my, my racing experience in general helped me so much when I moved to quads because I'd been racing my whole life. i sure. been on two wheels, but I've been racing my whole life. So like a lot of the mentality is the same, right? Like line choice and yep. tactics while racing, all that stuff. The
0: race the racecraft. Yeah. simply having that racecraft puts you on another level because some people never, never developed yeah. that. You've been doing that your whole life.
3: So the, the guys that I was racing with or against, you know, like they'd all been racing. Quads way longer than me and yep. and you know there were certain things that they they had better you know down better than me and in, in maybe uh, you know like just things like they technique learned from riding, stuff just techno- technicality of like their riding and yep. stuff it took me a while to pick up on some things um, okay but just i would say at the beginning the the race craft that i had from you know if I was 27, when I started racing quads, I'd been racing for 21 years already, you know, yeah. um, at, yeah. you know, when you're a kid, you're a kid, but I would say from the age of like 12, I was a pretty high level amateur kid, you know, to where I was racing at a high level for a long time already.
0: Of course. Yeah. It makes total sense that, uh, that muscle memory was there and that just now you're doing it on a different machine. Sure. Like you said, the race strategy, the race craft, it was already there. So that part makes total sense. And I I mean, clearly, it was the right move for your career, you know, to go to four wheels, it it extended your, um, your career by what a decade plus. But yeah, but uh, the crazy part is it just, it it kind of just happened. And that's why your story, you know, is so intriguing to me. Um, Like I said, probably because you're the only one You're the only person that has a story of this kind, professional motocrosser turned test rider, then, you know, ATV champion in the process, like I said, extending your career for that long. And, um, so take me through, I guess the, all the years that went, uh, beyond that first championship on the West coast. Um, you talk about being, uh, you became a figurehead or a face for that new machine, the new Yamaha 450R. So talk about your development in that because uh, that had to be, I mean, now you talked about having more of a stamp on that thing, but uh, that was even a a huge deal for Yamaha too. Um, So talk about that because I'm sure that that development of that machine tied into uh, those years of you being dominant on the West Coast too. It was probably a package deal.
3: Yeah. um, Yeah. So kind of right away. Oh, seven was tough because, uh, like you said, you remember me being at WPSA, but I wasn't there for the whole season. Unfortunately, at Daniel Boone, I broke my femur.
0: I remember. Yeah. Uh,
3: so, so that sucked. Um, because I was doing quad cross and, uh, and, and coming WPSA. over here and that yeah, was, that was part of, part of my deal with Red Bull was the WPSA series. Um, okay. Because obviously the tele- the television package and stuff like that, but um yeah. so uh, at Daniel Boone, I broke my femur. that was rough. Um, and then basically uh, two thousand eight, I believe that I, I, I got back to winning on the west coast, and um, the that was like a heavy, heavy year for testing probably the end of 07 and the beginning of or uh, at least midway through 08 was heavy heavy testing for the yfc 450r the, the,
0: the new quad
3: yeah. yeah um and that was that was fun because i was like you know we were basically building a race bike to sit on the showroom i mean that you know it's not a full race bike but in those but days uh, that was, you know, that was as close as you were going to get, you know,
0: and that was a lot more of a race machine than that, than that first YFZ. Obviously, oh, yeah. Night, day.
3: yeah. The carbureted bike was, you know, it had some, some hiccups here and there and obviously it was skinny. And, um, yep. so to have a, a race with bike that was fuel injected and, um, tried to try to, take all these things that we learned from racing over the last few years, you know, and uh, the production bike being out. Um, it was, it was pretty cool to be a part of that. And, um, it was, it was fun. Like, because I felt like every time the hardest part, I'll tell you this, the hardest part about the times when you're testing like really cool prototype or pre-production bikes is when you have to go and race one the next weekend. That is your race bike but it's not as good as the one you're testing. It's the
0: old school one. Yeah, I bet.
3: That's tough. Um, sure. You know, so I I was riding a bike, my, my regular YFZ 450. It was, you know, roll and Elka and I, you know, it worked good. I was happy with it and I would go (laughs) test during the week and be like, dude, this bike with stock shocks and you know, it's, it's as good or better handling than my race bike.
0: I'm, I'm sure because structurally uh the the width and the shape of that new bike was so different yeah. compared to the YFC prior that was like long and and skinny like you said like a it was like a torpedo compared to a big yeah. stable machine
3: yeah even like the ride position like the seat you know was skinny on yeah. the original YFZ it didn't flare yeah. out at the back and have like places to sit on the edge of the bike and uh, yeah, yeah, just a, a ton more went into the the development of the the four hundred and fifty R, and um yeah, it was just. I'm sure a, because
0: that new machine, that new machine, you were kind of sitting in that machine yeah. compared to you were sitting on top of that that old YFC. Yeah,
3: it just it just felt like yeah, you were more a part of it, you know, like and yep, and it was a bigger machine, but it felt lighter to flick around, and it was just. It was just so fun, you know, and it was cool to be there. Um, I felt like I was there from very close to day one on the original, but uh, now that I like really knew my knew my shit a little better, it was, yep. it was cool to be a part of it from day one on the 450R.
0: So take me through how they get to that new version quad with the R model. Do you tell them, hey, like this is what we need to do? Or is that done all before... Before you, do they already have like a, like a machine and then they roll it out to you and say, Hey, ride this thing.
3: So crazy thing about that is, um, they built the testing department, built a replica of my race bike and sent it to Japan. Really? And so they tested that and that's what the 450R was kind of, well, you know, that was early on in the concept time but that was said sent- but they
0: took they took your modded modded version of your 450 yeah and based which makes sense because now the r rolls out with a wider stance with better suspension yeah. and uh okay so that 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 makes total sense then. yeah so, so we were running what, what like, is you
3: know taller stems and wider yep. and all this stuff and then when the bike comes it's like wow this is all right this is pretty sweet yeah you know?
0: That's, and it was a, it was truly a um, a changing of the guard really, uh, in ATV racing, and it it I mean still to this day, Yamaha is the pretty much the standalone in the in the sport ATV you know, kind of market where they're the one still progressing every year, rolling out a little bit better machine every single year. And they have a race ready quad. Um, and you're not at these, at these nationals over here on this side of the country, but when you see this stock pro stock class and the production stock class and the whole gate is Yamaha's and they're going They're going within two, three, four seconds. The pros are on their stock quads as they are on their, on their race quads. And if you, if you enter the class in any other quad, you can't compete. Even it's just, it's amazing. And uh, then to hear kind of the progression of, uh, of where it started and being based off your machine, um, I really hope that you take some pride in being such a integral part of, of where Yamaha is today, because again, they're the only, they're the number one OEM supporter. We say it every week on this podcast, but the, they're the number one supporter, OEM supporter of ATV racing and to still see their involvement and support of this whole thing is pretty cool. And you played a big role in that.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's cool. Like it's funny. Cause like, what I just talked about, sending that quad over, that's something that I kind of forget about. And then we're talking, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that, wow, they sent a replica of my bike. I kind of forget <laughs> about that that even happened. You know, so many, so many things amazing. have gone on. But um, yeah. it is cool. It is, it is a little sad to me that the other companies aren't really involved anymore. Um, I think it was a, a huge hit when Suzuki um, got in trouble and decided to stop bringing quads in. Um, yeah uh I do wish that Honda would keep developing and and um, push because it too. just pushes the whole sport i mean um yeah i i i am proud I'm not that i'm a part of yamaha really but i've I've worked closely with a lot of different people in a lot of different parts of yamaha um, yep. i am proud that yamaha is still um pushing and, and like keeping the sport alive to a certain extent you know like as far as as from a manufacturer standpoint, um, yep. I think it's cool um, because, like I said earlier, with the four-stroke national thing, like they don't have to support it. They're the only new exactly. legit bike out there, um, exactly. So they don't have to support it, but they choose to, and I think that's the right thing to do, and that's the cool thing to do. Um, but I mm-hmm. do wish that the other companies were still making bikes because. Uh, just like on the dirt bike side, um, it, it, it keeps things progressing, you know, and, and I, you know, the, the, one of the harder things to deal with, um, on the quad side of things is that equipment matters quite a bit, uh, for like an amateur guy coming up and, and uh, of course, a you know, low level pro guy trying to earn his way up. Equipment's yep. a big deal. And, um, our full race built quad is f- pretty crazy expensive to build and yes. so i love the direction with like the, the stock classes because i always thought that would be like the great equalizer right let's put everybody yeah. on stock bikes and see you can actually ride the best not not exactly have the fastest motor to get them the first turn first and then they're good from there you know uh,
0: exactly and I, I and it's like spec racing almost yeah. and you're exactly right it's like to let the best man win and i always kind of even felt that way in my, during my professional career, I'm like, man, if we could just all be on the same stuff, it'd be really interesting. And uh, so now I do think it's a really cool concept and you're hitting the nail on the head with my beliefs is um, we need to make it so that more people can afford to do this to help ATV racing because the other manufacturers aren't the ones pushing, uh, to grow this thing. So let's cheapen it so more people can chase this. And instead of, um, there's people out there that, you know, want to build the hybrid quads just like they did 20 years ago and put the dirt bike motors in the ATV chassis and all this stuff. And for me, I think just like you said, to see those stock classes, be all Yamahas to finally see things start to change a little bit. It's taken a lot of years, but finally Yamaha is taking over major chunks of um, the sport ATV market share, and I think that that's really cool because it's it's at least if nothing else, it's repaying Yamaha for all of their hard work. And like I said every year that bike gets a little better whether it's you know coming with a slipper clutch or whatever the things that have happened over the last handful of years um and now you see even even chad and and thomas and those yamahas are not losing anything to the hondas they might be i mean there's a lot of times where they look like the strongest machine on the on the racetrack and uh finally that makes me feel really good because I just wanted to see Yamaha be repaid for all their efforts and sticking with this sport when everybody else left.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I think that, um, obviously it would be nice for them to reap the benefits of, of being the ones there to keep, keep things moving. Um, they definitely probably deserve it at this point. Um, but I still wish there was some competition. Just, just too. not, not, not to take any like thing away from Yamaha. Just, just to keep the progression going. You know, as far to as push bikes. Um, yep. Maybe, maybe that would drive cost of stock bikes up if the progression kept going. I, you know, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's gonna ever come back to it.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know. All we can do is keep our fingers crossed and, uh, we'll see. But do you, so have you played a role in the, have you still been testing Yamaha ATV stuff in recent years or or where do you stand on that?
3: Um, as far as testing goes, I haven't tested too many ATV parts. I would say in the last like four years. Okay. Um, most of my ATV riding in the last few years has been for photo shoots. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, obviously with them, the ATV side of things is based in Georgia now. Um, so with me being out here, it's a little tougher to like,
0: that that makes sense.
3: they, They have guys that are, that are, um, good enough ATV riders and good, good testing guys that are back there at their facility. So I think that all the, all the stuff that's what we consider, like, you know, the small inner working stuff, um, they can take care of if there was some like major change, like a new model coming or something like that, they might get me involved. But as of right now, I don't think that's going to happen.
0: Okay. I gotcha. Um, so I, then let's, let's, uh, you know, as we kind of tie this thing up here, what about you? What do you have? I mean, I know you're doing the, you had been doing the UTV racing thing. What, uh, what's keeping you busy nowadays?
3: Well, lately, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, yeah, co- this, COVID, crazy. this COVID thing sucks. Um, it's a
0: crazy time in the world right now, that's for sure.
3: Uh, but um, I'm, like I said, I'm lucky to still have a relationship with Yamaha um, on the dirt bike testing side. Um, I still have been racing my side-by-side stuff just at the regional level, um, just for fun and to, you know, like still get the juices flowing every once in a while. Like I said, that's my biggest passion is racing and and that's what led me from two wheels to four wheels. And now to like strapping myself in and driving a golf cart basically for,
0: (laughs) okay so yeah you gotta you gotta have a way to uh you gotta have a way you gotta have an outlet to be able to do that that's for sure so yeah. i definitely get that
3: yeah so um uh still still playing around with the regional stuff and then um my my main job i'm gonna do some finger quotes around that is okay. uh i work as a stuntman in the movie business and um oh wow most of what i do is uh work for a company called covert camera vehicles that's based out of atlanta and okay. they have um a whole fleet of vehicles but uh kind of what made their mark in the movie world is uh electric motorcycles that we okay. uh, we uh mount cameras to and do everything from like a walk and talk down the sidewalk to like gnarly through traffic, chase scenes like Fast and the Furious.
0: Oh, wow. That's crazy. So
3: I ride I ride a motorcycle for that. And then they have, like I said, they have a whole fleet of vehicles. They have um, one of their new, more aggressive vehicles is actually based off of my SR1 race car. Um, okay. Which is uh, basically my SR1 race car is like a a rhino chassis geometry with a R1 motor in it. okay wheel drive rear wheel drive um so we have a new camera car that's built off of that platform and um it's just like super aggressive chasing stuff and um pretty high you know high speed and and gnarly off-road or on-road so oh that's uh, that's it's, it's really cool like it's it's something that i feel like has the same feel and vibe as a race weekend for me um sure most of the time I'm I'm, you know, f- flying to Atlanta and picking up a truck and trailer with whatever vehicles we need for a TV show or a movie. I'm driving to wherever the location is, unloading, getting set up, work for, you know, twenty minutes to an hour a day of like super high intensity, high pressure work, and then load everything up and leave,
2: which is almost That's like a race
3: weekend, right? So
0: Right yeah, for sure. So That's awesome to I, be able to Still still racing around on stuff. That's killer.
3: Yeah. So I enjoy that. Like it's super, like I said, high intensity, high pressure, which is which is I think what I liked most about the racing world, you know, and, and, and that life. So still get that. Um and it's a little bit safer than racing full time and um right. when when I'm working, which hasn't been a lot lately, but mm-hmm. the money's good when when we're doing it. So
0: that's awesome. Yeah. It's great to hear that. Uh, again, like I said before, you kind of found your niche and you're still being able to get that adrenaline rush and, and, and uh, race around on stuff, drive things. And, uh, that's awesome. Um, okay. I got one last thing before I let you go, Dustin. I don't know if you're a, a Pulp MX listener, but our biggest shows were spent debating some of the stuff set on Pulp, basically saying that quad racing is easy. And, uh, you know, I, you were one of the guys that Chris Kiefer said would have the most valuable opinion, given your background, um, you know, kind of being on the dirt bike side and the ATV side. So I want you to weigh on this for me. Um, was riding and racing an ATV easier or were you just better cut out to be an ATV rider?
3: Oh, that's
0: tough. And I'm right? not trying. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying no. to put you on the spot. No, that's but. tough.
3: So, so my feeling is that um, I was better cut out to be an ATV racer. Obviously, didn't know that for most of my life. Um, okay. <laughs> but I also feel like the the background that I had in dirt bike racing is what accelerated my path on ATVs um so much Um, okay it's i i've always told people that um riding an atv is much easier than a dirt bike there's no there's no balance involved um you know like just just say you're going recreational riding i think it's easier um now you go out on a gnarly rough nasty motocross track and you want to go fast. I think that's harder on a dirt on, on a, on an ATV.
0: ATV. Um,
3: I think it it takes more, takes more to, to go fast on an ATV than it does a dirt bike. Um, I honestly, I feel like I reached a higher level on ATVs than I ever did on dirt bikes. Um, So it sounds weird for me to say that. Uh, But I also feel that the talent pool on dirt bikes is much deeper than on ATVs. So um, if you have high level talent on on an ATV and you have the work ethic and you are willing to do what it takes to be a top guy, um, you're one of a few where on dirt bikes, especially these days, there's kids that are from six eight years old just being raised to try to be the next tomac and um, so uh i think if you look at the amateur say look at the amateur racing you know across the united states how many amateur uh kids are racing quads between the ages of six and ten say and how many amateur kids are racing dirt bikes between the ages of six and ten I mean, right. the numbers have to be, like, a joke, right, in, in comparison. Yeah. so Ten to 1. I think that it's, it, it's, you know, that, that takes you to the talent pool. Like, how deep is your talent pool? Like, the dirt bike talent pool is massively deep. There's, you know, on any given day at a national, there's, you know, 40 guys that are within four seconds a lap where mm-hmm. – if you go to an ATV race, maybe the top 10 guys are within four seconds of lap,
0: you know? Maybe, yeah, so, maybe.
3: So that's, I mean, that's where I think it, you know, like luckily for me, when I made the move to quads, <clears throat> I had enough talent and I knew the work ethic and the race craft and things like that from my previous dirt bike racing. And so yep. I think that that helped me progress really quickly. Um, and you know, so I, I was lucky to uh, find quad racing to extend my career.
0: For sure. Uh, I think that that's a super educated and articulate take on that. Um, I guess so Their uh, their argument was you and Gary Denton and they, and so he's, they said, you know, Steve said, Gary went from being a solid dirt bike guy to the best ATV racer ever. And you went from being a solid dirt bike guy to being one of the best ATV racers of your era. And so that's, that's their argument. And then to hear it, Articulated so well from you, and I think you hit the nail on the head because it's kind of a similar message to what I had been saying. Is yeah, it's easier to putt around on an ATV, but to 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 go ride something harder, it's harder to go blazing fast on an ATV than it is a motorcycle. But you're exactly right when you talk about the talent pool, and if you're willing to go all in on an ATV, you can separate yourself by your your work ethic and being all in, in that regard. So uh, I think you couldn't have articulated it any better. Um, Which leads me into my very last thing is because we've spent a bunch of time debating this. So I can't let you go without, uh, without getting your opinion on it. The other thing that Steve said, and this is the one that made everybody angry from the ATV listener perspective was uh, he said that Eli Tomac and Justin Brayton, someone like that, could become a top three to five ATV pro in no time. And again, your opinion is valuable because you are one of the only guys that has actually done both at a top level. So do you agree that a top bike guy could run with the likes of Chad Wienan, Joel Hetrick, Thomas Brown in no time, or I'm assuming you're going to be on the other side of this argument. So
3: this is where it all say, the likely likelihood of that happening is incredibly slim. Yeah. Um but I wouldn't say it's impossible. And the only reason I wouldn't say it's impossible is I think it takes a, a a special or a certain person for it to click and to be able to ride an ATV um at the high level. So okay. if Tomac or Brayton is one of these special people that it clicks right away then maybe they could be a top five guy. Maybe, but they would have to have the best of the best equipment. Um, you know, I think that while, like, say, Tomac, I don't know that you're going to find a guy that's in better shape than Tomac, right? But yep. I do know from riding quads and going back and forth that you're using different muscles and you're, you're, you're working your body in different ways. So for Tomac to say, With three months of of training and practicing on an ATV,
0: yep.
3: Um, maybe his body could adjust, but it it would be tough. It's it's tough. Like I don't think it's something that you could ever just jump into and be
0: competitive. Um, I think I think you're yeah you're exactly right. Do I doubt that somebody like Eli Tomac has the ability to figure it out? No, I don't doubt it because he's a world class, he's he's a he's a ridiculously talented athlete. But the 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 take that had everybody fired up was that it would take no effort for them to just be at the top. Now, could they could he he would figure it out? But my thing is is those guys at the top, the very top of the pro class on ATVs are going basically as fast as their machines are capable of going. So again, like I wanted your opinion because you, you have a more valuable opinion than just about anybody on earth on this subject.
3: Yeah. For me, the easy answer is could they be immediately competitive with the top guys in the ATV world? No, no, they can't. It's just, it's not realistic. You know, I don't know. It's like, it's like saying, could the best NASCAR guy go win Baja his first time you know in a truck like exactly it's yep, yeah, yeah, maybe, but like that would be really crazy <laughs> right it's like apples that. to
0: oranges, it's apples to oranges, yeah. for sure, yeah, well uh yeah, I wanted I, that's what I, I I thought you articulated it all better than I even expected, but uh, like I said, I needed your opinion while we had you in in um you know, people have been begging for us to get you on for a long time. And that was uh, a lot of the reason why is they wanted to hear your opinion on, on that take. And, uh, and again, um, you have such a cool story to tell that we needed to get you on too, because I wish that this was something that I would have even known when I was growing up and watching you race and and stuff so to expose the story now I think it's better late than never um so it's been been uh it's been really cool to have you on and I um as we tie this thing up I can't thank you enough for uh for sharing it with us and um like I said it's an awesome and unique story and uh it's probably one of the most one of the most incredible incredible careers i think uh, you could ever showcase on an a t v show like this so um yeah again i just uh can't thank you enough for coming on and uh and and sharing it with us
3: yeah no problem man it was it was fun sitting here and talking to you and um yeah it was it was good times and it's cool to reminisce i mean um it's been a little bit since since we were racing quads and it's uh um, it's cool to think back about you know, the, the successes and, and, and put also the failures and hard work that all went into it too, and, and sits there and uh, makes me appreciate it all a little bit more.
0: Yeah, of course. And you, you really, uh, you had a lasting impact on, uh, on ATV racing, that's for sure. And, um, if you ever want to, you know, you want to come back, talk, talk some racing, talk some Yamaha stuff, anything in between, you're always welcome here. Cause it's been, uh, it's been an honor.
3: Yeah, cool, man. I appreciate
0: it. Awesome. Thanks so much. What a story, huh? I never really knew how badass Dustin Nelson was, so I'm stoked to get him on to share this story with our listeners. Thanks to Dustin for his time and willingness to do this with us here. Thanks as well to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother who always finds time to fit the podcast into his busy schedule. Thanks, Dallas. We couldn't do it without you. Thanks as always to Brooke for all she does for the podcast, and I want to thank AMA official Harv Whipple for always keeping me in the know with up-to-the-moment info. Thanks to our sponsors CSD Tires, Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Wienan Motorsports, the Decker Training Facility, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, ForWorks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Blenders Eyewear, Mountaineer Brand, Avocado Green Mattress, Roman Health, Factory 43, and Bikes, Trikes, and Quads. LLC. Support the brands that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. You can find all of our episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, our show merchandise, and more all on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com. So check that out today. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. At every event, it seems more and more fans and listeners. Find us to let us know how much they enjoy what we're doing here. You guys seem to have a passion that matches ours, and I truly can't put into words how much that means to us. You are the reason we never stop grinding at this podcast, so thanks to all of you who passionately listen to our podcast here. The show is available to anyone and everyone, whether on the DiggingDeepATVMX.com website, or you can Also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Basically, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. You can show your support by wearing our apparel, consisting of Digging Deep shirts, hoodies, and more. Available for purchase on our website today with free shipping and all proceeds going directly towards constant growth and improvement of the show. Thanks for all the support and for wanting to represent what we're doing. We are super proud of our gear. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to donate via Patreon if it suits you. Simply visit our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, and click the support on Patreon button. This contribution will help prompt continued growth and improvement of the show, with perks available to those who contribute, including hearing your name on the show. We have listeners who simply shoot us a few bucks a month, and honestly, it all helps. So if you want to support us, this is a perfect way to do so. Remember, you can always call us with your questions, topic suggestions, business inquiries, and more our show number is 9205693519 that's 92056935 one nine. call us and you may hear yourself on an upcoming show follow the show on social media digging deep atvmx podcast and myself cody jansen for behind the scenes content and insider info leading up to and at the races you know i love the screenshots showing that you're listening so send those in and i promise to keep sharing them it's a simple and effective way to help spread the word. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show, give us a rating, tell your friends, share our posts, wear our shirts and hoodies. It all helps spread word about us while growing the sport that we love. We'll be back next week with our Pleasure Valley Race Review Podcast. We're going to have some riders that you're definitely going to want to hear from, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. With that, for Dustin Nelson, Dallas Jansen, Brooke Catherine, and I'm your host Cody Jansen, Thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV racing, a million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us in digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross.
2: Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as
4: James Stewart was on Sunday back then at Steel City. I,
2: I, I would need to check this out. I, I, I'm dead serious. <laughs> it was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. It's not easy, Steve. It's not easy. Listen, J.B., <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to hear. <laughs> it's not easy. I don't want to hear. Quadlers are freaking nice.
1: You don't like too Big Red. The... What the Like, <laughs> <laughs>